Hello, welcome back to our podcast. Um, we're here for episode 12 today. Uh, we're taking a different sort of approach to the pod, where we're not going to be sort of relying on articles too much because me and Cam felt like we talk about the article for like a couple of minutes and then uh, move on. Uh, go on tangents and just end up waffling on about other things. So yeah, we're taking a different uh, approach this week. So how have you been, Cam? Good. Good, yeah. Feels like this new approach. We use the um, the articles as stabilizers to help us talk, and now we've got no stabilizers. Yeah, that's exactly how it feels. <laughs> but I, I really, I don't think we need it. I think we've got a few discussion pieces instead of using the articles, which I think is good enough. Um, so we'll start us off. Uh, if you listen to the earlier podcast. It was an Elon Musk segment in probably about five of them. Uh, but I noticed he went a little bit quiet in the news for a little bit. Um, but he's come back out now and he's talking about Russia, Ukraine, his Twitter deals back on. Um, so, yeah, so I think his Twitter deal is actually going ahead now. The last I read about it, have you read much on it? I've not heard anything about him at all. I think we did mention it on one of the podcasts that he's kind of just dropped. All right, Evan heard his comments today about around um, Russia Ukraine. I've not heard about Elon's comments on that either. All right, well, basically, he said he proposed a deal what Ukraine should propose to Russia to basically stop the war. Um, and if you remember, when the war first started, Elon supplied Ukraine with Starlink. Um, Starlink. Yeah, I remember that. So they've been using that for like a lot of military communication. Um, so then Elon came out, I think it was last week or the week before, and said, basically tweeted a deal that Ukraine should do with Russia and basically try and stop the war and stop it escalating. Um, so peace, it related to peace talks? Yeah, peace talk deal. Okay. Um, but what's Ukraine's president's prime minister called? Zelensky? Zelensky? Yeah, something like yeah, that. That's it, Zelensky. Um, he basically didn't agree with what Elon was saying and kind of turned against him. Um, another ambassador in Germany, a Ukrainian ambassador in Germany, basically, he literally told him to fuck off. Oh, right. Well, them exact words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but after what Elon's already done for the country, for them to solve, and all he's doing is trying to make like peace in the region. Yes. I, mean, I can see where that sort of coming from is like, Russia's taken this territory away from us. So they want to fight for it. But Elon's just thinking, what? how can we end this war as soon as possible? Because it's not causing any, it's causing the world more issues than it's worth, really. Yeah, it's not causing any good. And I don't really know much about the history of the areas which Putin took over. Do you know much on that? Um, no, but I know that the, I think they're quite heavily populated with Russian people yeah. from yeah. Russian origins. So they're quite pro-Russia anyway. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I knew they were pro-Russia. Well, that's what the referendum came out and said. It's hard to know what's actually going on because we're hearing the narrative that the West want to push on us, which isn't, which would see more and more that it's not actually the full picture. Um, so it's hard to actually know what's going on. Obviously, we can use our own sources, but then how reliable are those sources? It's hard because there's propaganda from like the Western media and there's propaganda from the Russian media. Yeah. The truth obviously lies somewhere in the middle of them both. Um, but it's sort of like, how do you, how can you work out the truth if you don't, if you, or you're being fed is lies from both sides. But at the end of the day, I think it's, Getting to a point now, the, the war's like, it doesn't seem to be de-escalating de by any means. I felt like it was de-escalating. We weren't really hearing much about it. But then this past couple of weeks, it just seems to have escalated tenfold. Well, yeah, over the last, well, over the weekend, it escalated. Because... Yeah, well, since the pipeline, I think. Yeah, and then, yeah, the pipeline, and then... And the referendums. And then, yeah, it was the pipeline first, then the referendum. So they took over that, them, them places. And then following that was the bridge. Yeah. Blew up. And then... Well, this weekend, wasn't it? And then... Yeah, and then in retaliation to Ukraine or whoever blew up the bridge, Russia then bombed certain embassies and government buildings within Ukraine. So I heard something that Putin said that he wants to... What was it? I don't know. I can't say the exact words, but it was along the lines of he, if they try and do anything after he's taken those country, those those places, um, if they try and do anything, Ukraine, he will retaliate, but he wants to do it with as minimal casualties as possible. So I don't feel like Putin actually wants this war. Um, it's hard to say that because obviously he wants to take that, but I think he's seeing Ukraine as more of a threat than, and if he just sits back and let them be a threat, then they're just going to end up walking all over Russia. So he needs to sort of defend himself early. And that's what he seems, that's what, from everything that I've been looking at, that's what I'm sort of leaning towards now is he's seen Ukraine getting backed up by the West and the big NATO posse coming after Russia, an anti-Russia group. He's seen it as a threat and he's trying to defend against that threat early rather than later. And he is doing it sort of somewhat civil in comparison to what the media is portraying it as and in comparison to if he was an actual maniac as we thought he was, then he would be doing it in a completely different way. Yeah, it'd be a lot more aggressive than what, how he has been. He yeah. seems to be a bit more tactical in his thinking, which if it's a psycho, if not the meat is making out that he's some psychopath. So, but from his actions, it doesn't really seem like he's just wanting to bomb the shit out of Ukraine. Otherwise it would, that would have happened in March and he would have just destroyed all of Ukraine and then nothing's left. But he's not done that. And I think he's using nukes as a, bargaining chip 
for the West to sort of bow down. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you just I just don't know which way it's going to go. Well, the pro, did, did you watch re, redact, yesterday's Redacted? Um, no. So it seems like um, Putin keeps making these statements about what he will do. And the West are saying he's thinking he's bluffing. And then they and Ukraine just do whatever they think's right anyway. Um, and then he does what he said he was going to do. So he's not bluffing, and I, I, I don't know. I think the West, the West and Ukraine needs to be a bit careful because he, we're all so the media showing him as a threat to Europe, but then Russia's seeing Ukraine or NATO as a threat to Russia. But who can possibly win this when? Both sides. Like both sides are seeing each side as a threat. Yeah, it's uh, there's no, and then obviously each side don't want peace talks. There's no happy ending in this, and I, I don't know. If I, do you think Putin would want peace talks? If this is what I feel like, Putin might, and I don't have the whole picture. I'm just saying going off what the information I know at the moment. Russia, uh, Putin, now he's taken them areas, might want like be willing to calm down as long as everyone else calms down and the US stop pumping so much money into fucking Ukraine. I think from my limited knowledge of what's going on is if NATO and Ukraine said, Russia, you can have the regions you've taken, like they're yours and Ukraine will not join NATO then it'll, everything just ends there. Yeah. But it seems like there's a lot of corruption in Ukraine, which Putin's a bit afraid of. Well, Biden's son was working in Ukraine, and the money that he was making there was being paid into Biden's bank account. Biden was working in Ukraine, wasn't he? Before, years ago. Uh, I don't think he's always been in Congress, so he was Obama's vice president. Before that, though, was he not linked with Ukraine as well? I'm not sure, but I know his son was working there, and that sort of, that came out during the elections, and the media sort of just, like, brushed under the carpet. As they do, very fast. Comes and goes that information very fast. It's a coincidence, isn't it? Joe Biden comes into power. His son's been working in Ukraine. This comes out in the media before he's elected, and a year into Joe Biden's presidency, or just over a year, Russia and Ukraine go to war, and now the US and Europe are funding Ukraine. The the war giving Ukraine billions of dollars a week to fund this war. It's um, well, some of smells fishy. Yeah, that's what we. I guess as we were discussing, our whole channel's sort of built on this culture and society problem. But if you look at pre the previous wars, people are now finding out what's. We won't be having this conversation if we didn't know that this shit happens where 
uh, Iraq, they fucking bullshitted to go to Iraq. Afghanistan, they bullshitted to go to Afghanistan. And then uh, now it's Ukraine, so... But now it's happening, and everyone's sort of like, hold on a minute, you know, you've fucked us about so many times. What's actually going on? And because we're in the information age where we get access to all of this other information, we're not just tied to main mainstream media. We, yeah, I think this is like an optimal... It's an optimal war for a lot of reasons because it's showing a lot of true colours that even the citizens of the West didn't know of before on how their countries were actually run. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people are starting to smell bullshit from the media now. So they're starting to question everything the media is saying, which is it's quite dangerous in a sense. Sometimes I think about it me because I question everything that's in mainstream, on a mainstream narrative. But... Like, and then you look at alternative sources of information and how do you know that's not bullshit as well, do you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, yeah, because these independent journalists that have channels, um, somewhat like us, but they actually do the journalism and the uh, in-depth research. We just discuss topics on this. Um, same with Joe Rogan. He sort of just discusses the topics. He has many, many people on. But then you get like the breaking points um, redacted who are doing the research themselves and portraying it to us. And yeah, I find it better because they're not actually putting much of an opinion on it. They're not really pushing anyone. They're just saying, this is what's happened. Like, this is what it looks like. But you can still build up a narrative just from displaying certain points. That's what uh, mainstream media do anyway, is they just build a narrative based on which points draw you. For example, there was a craze not long ago where um, people, when you, when you watch like BBC News, they'll put something up about a mugging or abuse or a killing or stabbing. And then straight after that, they'll, I think it was with Raheem Sterling, the football player for Man City. They'll put all this stuff on news and then quickly cut to um, Raheem Sterling's done this in Manchester City, but it's just like, why Why put... It's the way that they sort of just blend the narrative to make you subconsciously think differently about the world. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's what we're saying is that even these independent journalists, they are independent. They're, it's up to them how they want to portray the information. Um, and yeah, they, exactly. Then at least you've got a selection of independent journalists rather than BBC News, Sky News, CNBC... All these news things, like they're all spouting the same information, like they're giving the same narrative, all of them. Whereas independent journalists, our breaking points is very different to reacted. Very reacted. Um, but it's just sort of, you have to listen to us. I think you feel like you have to listen to a few to keep a balanced head, otherwise, you can fall like too deep into one independent journalist narrative. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they but, do dig in different ways as well because obviously I can only really compare redacted and breaking points because they're the ones I listen to the most slowly getting into a bit of Tim Pool at the moment who I'd say is an independent journalist um, but they're both sort of singing from the same hymn sheet although redacted Tim Pool is very similar to redacted with Tim Pool yeah yeah redacted go a shitload more sort of deeper than breaking points do because I think breaking points just provide the information and they don't 
not that they're scared. They don't want to push across like a, a narrative or they don't want to push across a opinion. They just say in straight facts. Um, redacted to have a bit more of an opinion on it, but mm, it's one of them. They've got what people, how many people tune in? Like hundreds of thousands of people tune into their live show. I don't know how many people are tuning into mainstream media anymore. Yeah, I don't think I've ever, I've not watched like normal mainstream news for ages. Maybe when the war first kicked off, I watched it on there. Now, when the war first kicked off, I was already fed up of it from um, the COVID of the shit. Yeah. The, the only time I actually watch it, and I don't even listen to it, it's just on when I'm in the pub because they, for some reason, just put BBC News on. Um, and then they have subtitles on it. And I think I was in the pub uh, when it was the Queen's funeral celebrating. Uh, or morning, whatever you want to call it. Celebrating her life and mourning her death. And, uh, yeah, so that's one, that's one time, that's one time I was actually quite happy to watch the news when the Queen had passed because it was, it couldn't have been biased information. It was just covering her life. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so has Elon still got Starlink up in Ukraine then? Yeah, I think it's still running there. Hmm. I've not really looked into whether he's taking it down or not, but I assume it's still running. It would be good to see how it works out. He needs to be careful because Russia could take out his satellites. Well, he's not doing anything wrong. Well, in their eyes, yeah, providing Starlink is somewhat wrong, but if he's calling for peace, he might have had a similar epiphany as a lot of people have had in this war is uh, more than meets the eye. Yeah. I think as the war's gone on, uh, what are we eight months into it now? It's becoming more and more apparent that. Well, more, I don't know, people maybe putting two and two together a bit more now and figuring out that there's a lot more than meets the eye. But I do feel like it needs to uh, come to an end. Yeah, well, people don't need to die, do they? Over some people, don't, this is the problem, right? Is what I think with war. I'm 26. So previous wars, I was a bit too young to even comprehend what a war actually meant. But looking at it at this age now with the stuff that I know, innocent people who have fuck all to do with the agenda of the global elites are getting fucked over because of some shit that they're trying to sort out. Yeah. It's like people are just like me and you just can just want to live our lives. Want to enjoy time with your friends, enjoy fast times with your family. Do your work, and um, there are people who are being their lives are being affected by other men, mainly men in the, those positions, just by their egos, not wanting yeah. to back down, wanting more territory, 
I mean, you say uh, mainly men, we've got Liz Trust, who's got a fucking weird-ass ego. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Not just mainly men, just global elites by their egos. Mm. People in power. And it's just raining shit on everyone because they're too fucking stupid. And they, I would say it's stupid because why you need to kill so many fucking innocent people over... Um, yeah, um, just whilst we're on Russia-Ukraine anyway, I've got something funny to share. I'm going to share screen a video. It's two minutes long. It was I'm stealing it because it was uh, content from Redacted yesterday, but I just want to show you it. And anyone else that cares. So this, oh yeah, before I play it, I'll tell you what it is. Um, it's a Russian advert about people who are leaving Russia to go and live in America. I don't know when it was released or when it was made, but just fucking watch it. It must have been re re relatively recent. Can you see my screen? Yeah. <laughs> What do you want? I want to go to the toilet. Простите, мистер, что случилось? Да вот парень без очереди лезет тут. И что? Вы не хотите его пропустить? Я? Конечно, конечно. Его надо пропустить. Мы подождем. Его народ долгие годы терпел притеснение белых. Мы перед всеми афроамериканцами в долгу. Простите нас, сэр. Прошу вас. Also, that's a Russia uh, advert. <laughs> <The show. laughs> on TV. I, I think it's just on TV. Yeah, it's just a propaganda advert um, mocking. It says Russian propaganda mocking those who leave Russia for America. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it's a comedy. Yeah. But everything's it's true. True. <laughs> Uh, this guy goes. This isn't a propaganda video. It can't be a propaganda video if they're all um, if they're all telling straight facts in it. <laughs> Weird, like when you watch that video and you see it as like a comedy, but that is the lives we're living. Yeah, 
it's uh well yeah we know it's true and yeah the uh, land of opportunity <laughs> all you can do is laugh about it yeah there's nothing else you can do um do you want to go on to another subject talking point uh, yeah go on do you want to be else uh all right man i brought questions you brought okay. i think we did you see mine yeah but you can remind me yeah. what your question was so yeah i brought two questions aaron brought two talking points uh, so my question is uh is <clears throat> do you think there's an alternative to capitalism all right yeah i remember this i think it's a deep question yeah i've not done any like sort of research around alternatives, but I just thought we'll just discuss well, it. There's one alternative everyone sort of knows about communism, which I can't see it being a, I don't know. I still, I want to look into communism a bit more, but I can't see it being something that I would enjoy or like because I don't think people are made equal um, just looking at sort of people around me there's people who perform better at certain things than I do and there's people who don't perform, perform better at certain things than I do or people who aren't willing to sort of put the work in and people who are willing to put the work in. And I don't think they should be rewarded. The people who don't put the work in shouldn't be rewarded the same as people who put more work in. There's no, I can't see a sort of a reward in communism that would keep you motivated to put work in. Um, I understand there's a massive, at the moment, probably since 2008, the gap between rich and poor has just fucking gone huge. Um, and that's why a lot of people, I can see why people are calling for equality, but there needs to be something else sorted out first. And I think the people who are arguing for communism and socialism are missing so the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is, there's a lot of fucking corruption in the world already. And if you just want to go down the communist line, then I feel like corruption's going to be like tenfold. All you're going to have is one class up there who are in control of everything. And then the class down here who basically are considered equal. It's never going to work where everybody's on the same everybody's equal, everyone lives the same life. That'll, it'll never work. There's always going to be a ruling class, which if you want to look at society at the moment, there's a ruling class now. But at least people have the opportunity to work themselves out of poverty. Yeah, there's a carrot that they can, there's a carrot always dangled in front of everyone, which they can strive towards. And the way I think about communism, whether it would work or not, is if you look at 
sports, for example. We both watch football. Let's look at football. Imagine you've got Manchester City and you've got Arsenal. I'm a Man City fan. Aaron's Arsenal fan. And everyone on there is on the same amount of money. And, or whatever they get in the communist world. Everyone's considered equal. Football's sort of ran off money. And if your team wins, you get paid more uh, as a club. And then it trickles down into the club. And then certain players in the club who perform better get paid more. And that's what, as a team, as a team, you want to win more so your club can earn more money. So, and you want to, you want to sort of lead your team to win more by scoring more goals, uh, having more assists, whatever, um, saving more goals from conceding, saving yourself from conceding more goals. And the only way that players really want to try and perform and get better and better and better is by having a monetary um, sort of reward at the end of it. Because let's say there's everyone's on a grand a week in football. What do you then strive for? Yeah. Well, I think with sports, it's a bit different because you might just want to strive to be... To win the trophy and be the best, but then in a com- communist is in a communist sort of country, in a communist system is there even a trophy? Would you say? Like what? It would they even be football? Like what? I, obviously, there's going to be football, but you're talking everyone's universally the same. So if you're going to go to the actual extent of full communism. Actually, no one's, no team actually wins the game. Yeah. If it's all equal. Yeah. And everyone's got the equal. It's like, it just pushes the whole country, the whole system, everyone that's involved in the system into nihilism. I think taking sport, like taking the money out of sports and just looking at it as if, the best team wins the trophy. Look at capitalism like as if money is the trophy. So the best player wins the trophy. If that trophy is no longer there in communism, then the best worker or the best, yeah, the person who puts the most work in, the person who's the most skilled won't get that trophy because there's yeah. no trophy. That's a good analogy. So what, where's the motivation for them? There's no incentive. To be the most skilled and, and be the best they can be. There is no, no motivation there. Mm. And <clears throat> I completely understand that there is a massive gap between rich and poor at the moment. But I've, this is something I've been like, trying to think about for ages. How can that be fixed? Well, I think you made a really good point on one episode about debt. That's what screwed over capitalism. Yeah. That has made capitalism worse because it's been easier. To divide that gap. Yeah, to make the gap larger. Yeah. Mm. I swear by that as well. When you said that, it's, it's just 
if you actually look at look at it in a holistic view, there's nothing actually fair about debt in any way, shape or form. It doesn't actually make any sense and it's all just pushed onto everyone for convenience or materialistic or consumerism and all these other fucked up ideologies. Yeah. So to be fair, capitalism, and I don't know, I've not done enough research to even figure out if this is a thing, but we don't actually live in a capitalism, capitalist society anymore because debt, because capitalism doesn't actually mean. That's sort of voided out what capitalism actually stands for. Because capitalism was fair trade, right? You have two bananas and I have one orange and in our currency your two bananas are worth my one orange but now it's like mm, i don't have the two bananas but i still need the orange and i pay you four bananas next week yeah so it's made everything more expensive yeah but um this is probably a question we could probably answer better after we read the book club tribes I've read like probably 10, 10 to 12 percent of it at the minute and he's talking about um actually should, should i'll save this for the book club i'll just mention it it's fine and he's talking about the um how the native americans captured european um citizens and then when those European citizens came to be sort of collected by the army, they didn't want to leave. Um, so I'm not into like any reasons why or anything, but there's something in society these days that's not right. And it might be the way Europeans have pushed their way of living around the world is what's caused the problems. Because they must have noticed something after being in a European, living a European life as going into adulthood as Europeans and then being captured as like, I don't know how they were, say 20 odd year olds, but the book said they were adults. So for them to decide they don't want to go back to that way of living and they're more than happy where they are, like the way the Native Americans did things, there might be something in that that could be implemented into society these days and i've always thought like a big problem with our society is we are very isolated as people like everyone's an individual and you're just isolated from a community which this is what I'm assuming the book's going to go into more detail on. Um, and if people are in communities, they're stronger. So maybe to an extent, communism might work in small groups where everybody's looking after each other and you've got an actual connection with the people you work with. Like say, for example, we were like, because obviously we're brothers and if, say we lived with all our family and we had to go 
and go out to work to make sure the rest of our family like, live. That's what's giving you the motivation to go out there and do what you need to do. But all that's being spread around so we're all living equally within our own community. But I don't think it works on a mass scale where a whole country can be kept equal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I'm thinking about, when you've just said that, I'm thinking about, say, in England, you've got people on the dole or on benefits. Basically, just get paid from the government to do nothing, really. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of them who are on benefits because it, it does help certain people get out of a rut that they're in. Um, if they really do hit rock bottom and they need a leg up, then benefits are there to help them get back on their feet and try and like, get off benefits, basically. Um, but then there's a lot of people who sort of see it as, oh, you want to give me money to do nothing. Thank you. I'm going to do nothing and take the money. And I think it sort of caused a divide in that sense because people aren't striving towards the same objective, the same goal. Like what you've said there about in a smaller group, you're all striving to take care of each other. But because it's on mass scale and you've got people that are literally small amount of people, but I don't know actually how big it is. It would be good to, to look it up that just live off benefits all of their life. And then they're the ones that are saying, oh, the rich should get taxed more. But to funnel what? Just to funnel more people on benefits doing nothing. And then that's what's going to sort of turn into that universal basic income on everyone. But there's no... And then on top of that, like what you've just said there about them families that just live off benefits, they've got no sort of motivations to do anything at all yeah and if that was in a smaller group and somebody was sort of behaving like that you'd say to them like come on pull your weight like yeah just do something after each other yeah. yeah and then if they don't still don't pull the weight then they'll just be cast out yeah there will be uh repercussions for for your lack of actions if you're yeah. waiting around eating all the food mm, then yeah and that's what's happening with a big, big community. Um, I think it's harder with a big community. Um, it's harder to find balance. So what you're talking about there is finding balance within a small group, which is a lot easier. Yeah. If a group of 10 of you, then you can find balance. Like, okay, they're cooking. It's like on uh, Red Dead Redemption, for example, Red Dead Redemption 2. You go, you're there, like, set away from normal life. They're just a gang of people. But hmm. they've all got their own things that they do some of them go out looting some of them cook some of them clean I think I lost you a bit there uh, yeah what were you saying sorry my internet's going a bit weird where did you get me from uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 yeah so they're set away from normal civilization in a sense because they're a gang who sort of just live on their own and some of them cook, some of them clean. So on that, I feel like in that sort of situation, it works like with a small group or a small community. But yeah, in the UK for 
60 million people. I can't see it, how it's going to work. Mm. Yeah. Without having somebody in control who's got control of everyone's sort of lives and... Well, you need someone fair in control and let's be honest, the majority of people that are going to be in control are not going to be very fair. Yeah. It's all monetary gain at the end of it, isn't it? If you even Donald Trump, like, love him or hate him, he was only doing that role for monetary gain. Like, like obviously not only, but that was, if you come to the end of the line, he's walking out with his pockets a little bit fatter than when he first went in. I think it's a very complex question, like capitalism versus communism. That yeah, it's something I feel like we should look more in, have a look into more detail. Um, yeah, and try to figure it out. I brought the question in because we did discuss about doing an episode on capitalism versus communism. So I thought I'll bring it in, get our questions uh, and our ideas floating, and then we'll go yeah. away and do some research and have a proper conversation on the channel. Let's have a pick a book for it next year. I think. Yeah. And then that should give us a better understanding of it all. Yeah. Oh, so I told you what happened with the book. So I'm reading two books, Tribe for the book club, and then I'm trying to read a, I think they call it a monster classic. I'm trying to going to try and read one a year. So I'm reading The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Right. Right. Um, so my dumbass picking up my Kindle the other day to read Tribe. Thought I was reading Tribe because the book was still open. And I took everything off, so I took pages and everything off, so I can't see anything apart from the words. And I was reading through it thinking, why the fuck are you talking so this? Because when I left the book, it was on about, um, yeah, the Europeans and Native Americans. Yeah. So I was reading it thinking, why has he just jumped from this to Hitler? And I was reading about Hitler for ages. But I'll get to a point with this, by the way. And then I was reading it and then I was just like, I was sort of relating it to tribes and that whole category of tribes. And I thought, this guy is talking way too much about Hitler. And I was even thinking, you're going to be thinking, this is why I'm reading the third great, because he talks about Hitler so much. And then uh, anyway, it got to the end of the chapter and then fucking found out it was the wrong book I was reading. <laughs> but uh, it made me think after like, I need to obviously reread that chapter or that half of chapter which I read because me reading that thinking it was tribes, I had a totally different perception on the book than what it actually was. Obviously, I took the information from it, but oh, right, yeah. a whole different perception. So then I was thinking, imagine just getting some paperwork and someone saying, oh, it's about this, and then you read it with them eyes on it. You're going to... yeah envision it different than that what it actually is so it got me uh got me thinking <laughs> it's a good point not so but i guess like when you've got an idea about something you're reading you read that book with that sort of perspective yeah like 
subconsciously you just got a, like a perspective before you even read the book. Mm. It's similar to there's a fine line between um, something that's funny and something that's offensive, depending on your vision of what's being said or who's saying it or whatever. But if you have like a stand-up comedian, it's probably not that funny if you was to read it, read it rather than hear it coming out of his ma- yeah. mouth. But if someone if passes you that and says, "Listen to that, like, read how offensive that is," doesn't tell you who read it or what this is a part of a stand-up. Says, Look how offensive that is. You read it and think, "Back in hell." That's- well, who's, who's wrote this or who's saying this? And then when yeah. you listen, that, watch it in someone, the context it's meant to be in. Yeah, go on, sorry. Is that someone giving you like a Ricky Gervais transcript and saying, oh, look how fucked up this is. And then he's like talking about like dead babies and Hitler and shit. <laughs> yeah. And then you're reading, you're like, fucking hell, this is well fucked up. Like, who wrote this? And if that's not Ricky Gervais, and you're like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> But then if you to listen to it the way he's performed it or the way it's supposed to be, the way he's written it for the context it's meant to be in. Yeah. And you'll see it in a different light. So yeah, that got me thinking. Uh, a lot. Mm. It's like, I guess like, a lot of people don't like Jordan Peterson. And I guess if you've got like a, listen to Jordan Peterson with like a already some stereotype in your head you can listen to him and think oh, he's just a misogynist like he's just talking he's talking crap without actually listening to what he's saying I think a lot of people do that with him that's why he's so misunderstood yeah that's true actually because and this is um, actually quite yeah basically when I, we, we've been listening to him for ages I don't know when I remember you told me, listen to this episode on JRE with Jordan Peterson on. And yeah, it must have been about 20... 2018, I want to say. Yeah, probably about 2018. That's four years ago. So I, I listened to it and then I got kind of hooked on him in terms of like, who is this guy? Like, well, why does he know so much shit that makes sense? And because uh, I think he was like the first of a, what would you call him? Like a, a thought leader or something, I don't know. The first sort of one that I've listened to, come across to listen to and sort of resonated so much with. Um, so I started listening to him more, listened to his GQ thing, but I listened to him from a good place. Like that um, podcast episode he did with Joe Rogan was amazing. So listening to his GQ, I, looking at um, interview, I looked at it in a completely like, she, she was offending me that she was trying to be like that to him. But then I continued listening to him, continued listening to him. And Kate, my other half, would listen to him as well. Whilst, like, sort of, not willingly, but just because I was listening to him, she would overhear or eavesdrop on his videos or whatever. And I'm sure she had a negative... She she thought he was... not. I wouldn't say she thought he was negative. She thought he was not a nice person in the messages he was trying to portray. And I think it only took, I think she must have seen the impact he had on me for good. Like the, the good the good way he's changed my life. She must have seen that with me. And now when she listens to him, she she loves him. Because she yeah, knows he has the positive the impact he's had on me, yeah. Mm. So, hmm. Good to um, remember that with everything. 
Yeah, well, I think Peterson like came out at a time where we knew something wasn't right about society, but we couldn't put our finger on it. And the way he explained it sort of answered questions that we had in our heads without us even asking these questions. Because it was at a time where I wasn't asking myself these questions. He answered something that was like a question that I had deep down, like there's something wrong with society. Yeah. Yeah, he, he made us realise what was actually going on. Um, yeah. Shout well, out to Peterson. <laughs> We're doing his book in December. December, yeah. 12 Rules for Life. Um, do you want to do your uh, next question and then we'll finish up on my last talking point because it's quite a light one that talking point okay cool um okay so another question (laughs) have we become less happy in the age of technology now it's hard for us to answer this because we've only got us i feel like we've only got a slim slice of life which we can sort of account for being happy but we're still at sort of technology i'm thinking more technology as in phone always in your pocket computer every day type yeah well the kind of when we had no tech or limited technology or basic technology uh, there's also our childhood so everyone looks at childhood with rose tinted glasses anyway so i think it's going to be a bit of a maybe bystander from my side anyway because but i do think technology is hmm it's a hard question because it's it's made life a lot more convenient but but what i'm seeing but just on what you've said there it's made life a lot more convenient what i'm seeing flagging up more and more like over the past couple of weeks or months is convenience doesn't necessarily mean it's good convenience isn't necessarily a good thing yeah i don't think convenience is a good too much convenience is not a good thing because you're not having to work or when i say work i mean like you're not having to walk to the shop to go and get food now like you can just get delivered like things are becoming too easy where it's making people lazier and when you're lazy you sort of fall into a rut easier and it's hard to get out of that rut because everything's just there for you. You're not, there's no work or there's no thought that needs to go into anything these days. Like you can have food delivered to your, your door. You've got all your entertainment on demand. You've got your friends and family just to text away. So. I think maybe it was Jordan Peter. No, not Jordan Peterson. Might have been Joe Rogan. Someone said it anyway. That well, it's a known thing that yes, we've become more connected with WhatsApp, Facebook, text messages, but in sacrifice for what, becoming more disconnected with meeting up with your friends, speaking so like verbally speaking socially with people, like people. When don't we? It's that convenient, and people have their phones like tied to them so much now. You wouldn't even think, really, do I need to ring this person to ask them this question? No, I can just text them because they're going to have the phone on them and they're going to buy. I reckon phone calls are dying out completely. 
because you get everything's instant messaging all for your advice. And even when you're out in the pub or whatever, say I know someone who's out having a drink in the pub and I probably could ring them, but I don't, I just text them because I know even though they're out being social, they're in the, still being that slight bit in, antisocial by being on the phone or having the phone there or being on the phone. Yeah. And um, it's actually on a Sunday, me and Emma went to a cafe and I left my phone at home because I had like 5% battery. So I said to Emma, actually, do you know something? You should leave your phone at home as well. And we'll go out and we won't have any phones with us. On Sunday? Yeah. Watch cafe? Just a cafe that we went to, right, for the brew. Oh, right. Yeah, it was after you left. Oh, right. I was going to say, I thought you were talking about that. No. Uh, yeah, so we went just to, for like a walk and we went to a cafe. And I said to her, every Sunday we'll go, every Sunday afternoon we'll just go out for like a coffee. And we'll just leave our phones at home. Just because, like, we've, we've, on the Sunday before we went to a cafe and she got a phone call and she was just on the phone. Once I was sat there, I was like, what the hell? But it felt, at first it felt weird because, like, you're checking for your phone and stuff, but it feels, like, quite liberating not having your phone on you. Because if someone rings you or something, like, it can usually wait an hour, an hour and a half. Nothing's like really that much of an emergency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, to be fair, even like this podcast, obviously we're doing a podcast which goes on the internet, so we can't really sit on our phones or check our, check our phones or whatever. I find it quite liberating that I kind of look forward to just this sort of disconnect. I know we're kind of still using technology because <laughs> I'm a thing, funny thing, and I use Google next to me for looking up shit that we're talking about but it's uh i think in this like scenario technology's something that's made me happier because it's allowed me to do something that i wouldn't otherwise be able to do unless we lived closer to each other um as well like work-wise we both work from home and i feel like that's made me happier in the sense it's given me more free time um and my quality of life's better because of it yeah yeah i get that i actually yeah that makes sense because when covid hit and everyone sort of had to work from home it made me realize that a lot about life covid kind of helped me in the sense that it made me realize that I don't want. I didn't. I don't want the life that I was striving to have before COVID. Yeah, where you're commuting for an hour, hour and a half every day. You're going into the office. You have to stay there till five. You leave the office. Like you go home. It's like six o'clock, and then you might go out. Maybe. You might just eat and then just watch some shit on TV, like yeah. Because there's no way if I was in my past life, I would. It probably wouldn't even come into my head to do something like this because I'm that sort of. I would have been that sort of lost without not having freedom of thought so much, so much that I wouldn't have even thought to do something like this. Plus, with technology, has given us access to 
the likes of Jordan Peterson, who's changed both our lives, uh, Joe Rogan. Um, it's given us alternative source of media, like redacted breaking points, Tim Pool, like shout out to all of them. <laughs> um, without having technology, we wouldn't have access to that. But then would we be necessarily, if technology wasn't around, would we need to, do we even need to know this information that they're giving us? Yeah. Uh, I suppose it will be read a book. Yeah. Jordan Peterson would still read a book. Well, write a book. But... Yeah, we'd be reading books and you wouldn't be... The jobs would be doing more labour-intensive work. Yeah. Which... I guess would make some people happy who don't do any sort of physical activity yeah 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 you literally just lounge on in front yeah of, yeah then those like being outside and actually wait like doing some physical work yeah make them feel better yeah i get what you're saying um about having access to all these people so because we're in the information age and we're because reading a book takes quite a lot of time uh as in you can't really read a book whilst you're working the way we listen to podcasts while we're working so there might have been more than one but there's more sort of what's the word it's more likely that we'll hit a trigger point in our mind which sort of and there'll be multiple trigger points as you progress through but because we've got access to so much information and we're using this information for like the betterment of ourselves and the betterment of other people that as we progress through the information age, there's more and more trigger points that make us better people and they can come more frequently. Um, so yeah, I guess the answer to the question is, uh, have we become less happy in the age of technology for me is no, I think we've, Personally, I've become more happy, but it's because I utilize technology in a better way. Yeah, that's this is what I was going to say. Um, I think it's easily so easy to fall into a trap with technology where it can make you less happy and anxious and sort of distracted but if you understand the downside of technology and you're able to adapt your life around technology and use it as a tool rather than a way that you way to live then like it's not technology shouldn't be the center technology should control you you should control technology so like at the minute i feel like my life i use technology to get my work done, to do this podcast. Um, and then I don't really, I'm pretty shit at texting. So I don't really uh, set my phone texting that much. Um, I like picking up the phone and having a phone call with someone, or I prefer even more to go meet them in person. Mm. Because that's what sort of brought us to make alternative. Anyway, you moved to London. And we used to have sort of these sort of chats before you moved away in person. And then it became like, 
I'll give you a quick call to check in or you'll give me a quick call to check in. And we'll end up talking for a couple of hours about the world. But okay, so what about comparing it to this? I just had this thought. So we've got today's day, right? Technology. And let's say we go back, I don't fucking know. Industrial Revolution, all that shit. Practically technology. Technology sort of helped us mass produce goods. Technology's helped us to become ever more connected in today's day, even though we might look at it as disconnected. Um, technology such as cars has helped us travel. Planes have helped us travel even further, trains. But let's say we go back to no technology. Like the only technology you have is a stone axe. And you've got your tribe, your community that you live with. And the only thing you know about the world is I've got my tribe. There's a tribe northeast, which is an unsafe tribe that will attack us. There's a tribe behind us that are friendly. They're okay with us. We sometimes swap berries or whatever. Sometimes we go hunting mammoths together. I don't know. And obviously then uh, there are other threats or like animals around them, but they know they know everything about their world in terms of where they are located. So they know the threats of animals, what berries they can eat, what they can't eat, blah, blah, blah. They know what, what, the different tribes around them, what's safe, what's unsafe, where to go at night, where to go in day. And then fast forward to today, with technology, do you not think we've got even more shit to be scared of? For example, they wouldn't know that someone in Russia had a nuclear bomb, if they even had a nuclear bomb back then. They wouldn't even fucking know about it. So it, in a sense, is ignorance. Ignorance is bliss because you just know what you fucking know and you can be content because you've got enough berries to last you. Well, I think they had things to worry about there that are quite, yeah, like if they don't have enough berries then half the tribe are going to die or if they're not prepared for another tribe to come and attack them, then half the tribe's going to get killed and then the rest will get captured. Yeah, and then disease and... Infection. And disease and people, children, the kids, like, I think the mortality rate for the children was quite low. I mean, high, no low, mortality. Yeah, but you've got to high. remember, they've got nothing. Back then, they wouldn't have anything to compare it to. So, for example, now, we still have cancer's a thing, people mad mad men murderers throughout what i was gonna say is um i feel like because they had to worry about real shit now we don't really have as much shit to worry about because our basic needs are met so we worry about things that don't even wouldn't even affect us because i feel like just the human brain is made to have anxieties and worries to keep alive and to keep us like to survive those anxieties built into us. So now everything that we used to be anxious about back then has been taken out of the question and replaced sort of being replaced with anxieties that are quite meaningless anxieties to an individual. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Actually, that's a valid point because, um, I'd say they, I wouldn't even say they even really thought about happiness back then. Well, they didn't have time to think about that because they were yeah. trying to 
And we got too much time on our hands now. Yeah. Yeah. We have the most time that we've ever had and the most people seem to say I don't have time. Yeah. But preaching that slow living. <laughs> uh, what did you uh, think about them questions then? Yeah, the first one was uh, we need we need a lot more reading around it. It's a good start for that topic though, because um, something that we definitely need to or want to look into more. Yeah. The second one was a good good one. Got me thinking a bit because I always it got me thinking more about my life and how technologies how I don't know if I've actually thought about. Yeah, I think I have like getting rid of parts of technology out of my life that I felt like I don't need. Yeah, well, saying what you said about Sunday going to a cafe um, without your phones, that's, yeah. it's in your mind. I think I've always been aware of it because I, about three, four years ago, I deleted Instagram and Facebook off my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it's something I've been aware of that I don't, like, it's something you don't need in your life, really. Mm. I feel like I don't need it anyway. I've not missed it. Social media. Yeah. Mm. What's happened? YouTube is all I really need. YouTube's kind of a social media. It's more of an entertainment. Yeah. Oh. It's an odd one to categorize. Yeah, entertainment slash social media, I guess. Mm. It's all social media in the sense that we listen to people talking their thoughts. Yeah, but um, I think it's something I've been aware of and I've wanted to sort of control how much technology I consume. Yeah. I don't want technology to consume me. Yeah. There's some people it does. It's like, they just, you go out of them and they're on the phone on Twitter a lot of the time and Instagram and shit like that. You're like, you're with, you're on a like, you're having a meal with them while you're on your phone. Yeah. Well, I saw it when I was in London on Saturday when we went to a certain place. Um, you went to the toilet and then obviously fucking Emma and Kate were just all over the house were just on the phone. So I was just like looking around because I was in London. I don't really go to London that often. And uh, I was looking around, looking at the people. There was a couple next to us and I was looking at them. She was just on his phone. And then the other guy, I just watched him and he was just looking around. I was like, oh. and then I started looking at everyone and I was just thinking, fucking hell, there's phones fucking everywhere. People are walking on the phone. People are on the phone walking. People are just stopped at the side of the walkway just on the phone, searching something. Yeah. It's kind of a scary. When you actually stop in some busy environment like that and look around, fucking a bit scary, to be honest. People are just glued to the phones, aren't they? Yeah. And I do it sometimes. I, I know, like, when I'm just in, like, a sort of, a stale place where I don't, I can't, there's nothing, I have no, no, no one to talk to or nothing to talk about at that moment in time. And I know I've got like a five minute interval. I'll just whip out my phone and go on it. But then recently I've been getting my phone out thinking, do I need my phone out right now? I'm getting in the habit of putting it back away, which hopefully will take away the habit of me getting it out to begin with. Yeah. That's, I think it's just like little habits I like that you need to change. But even when I'm out with like little, well, like my mates and stuff, I don't really touch my phone unless I've got a football bet or something like that. I'm checking that. Oh yeah, 
and Aki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the only time, like, other than that, like, I don't, I don't even think about using it. Um, do you want to go to uh, next one? Tell me about Saudi. Yeah. So I don't know if you've heard about this. So um, they're the neon cities that they're building in Saudi or proposed building in Saudi. And one of them is called The Line. And basically what it is, is two skyscrapers built across. You need to get image up? 170 kilometers, I think. Across what? Yeah, something, just, yeah, get it up. Put me on the line. And it's going to house nine, there's a video we can put on actually. I think it's like a two minute clip. Neon the line. Yeah. Oh, the line. I thought you said line. I know what line. Line. What is that on the website? Or what is the line? Uh, no, it's like an advertisement clip from Neon. On YouTube, yeah, I put it. Mm. We can take a two minute clip. Can watch it. For too long, humanity has existed within dysfunctional and polluted cities that ignore nature. Now, a revolution in civilization is taking place. Imagine a traditional city and consolidating its footprint, designing to protect and enhance nature. The line will be home to 9 million residents and will be built with a footprint of just 34 square kilometers and we are designing it to provide a healthier, more sustainable quality of life. The Lines communities are organized in three dimensions. Residents have access to all their daily needs within five minute walk neighborhoods. And the Lines infrastructure makes it possible to travel end to end in 20 minutes with no need for cars, resulting in zero carbon emissions. By leveraging AI technology, services are autonomous, saving you time and effort. Designed by world-leading architects, the line is 500 meters tall, 200 meters wide, 170 kilometers long, and housed within an elegant mirror glass facade. Intelligent solutions create efficiency and year-round temperate microclimate with natural ventilation Energy and water supplies are 100% renewable. The line is designed as a series of unique communities, offering a wealth of amenities, providing equitable views and immediate access to the surrounding nature. With 40% of the world accessible within six hours at the heart of the globe's key trade routes, a place for commerce and communities to thrive like nothing on earth seen before. The Line, the city that delivers new wonders for the world. Fucking hell. Fucking hell, I don't even know what to think about that. They make it look like sick on the renders, but I imagine living there would be... Mental. Pretty... I don't think it would be there. I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I don't think... I thought about it and I, wouldn't, I don't think I would want to live there. No. Like, nine million people living on top of each other. I don't get how. I don't understand. I get why they do why they're doing it, and it will it will work for nature. But fuck me, everyone's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be like a 
Well, I, I don't know actually. Like, how many people are in London? Like eight million, just over eight million. So it's like the population of London living in. In a how far long was it? One hundred and seventy k. That's blown me uh, away. Are they actually building it then, Saudi? Well, I don't know if it's going to work because I think some of the technologies that they want to put in there aren't ready yet. It looks futuristic as fuck, that. Yeah, I think the renders make it look like it would be a sick place to live. Oh, yeah, it's like anything, isn't it? If you buy, if, when you, that, that might be good, brand new. That f- first moving in there is a novelty. But after like 20 years, yeah, it's going to look like shit because they're not going to fucking keep up with it that well. Like, imagine that in England. <laughs> they're not going to keep it up. Imagine that going through like fucking Liverpool to uh, to Manchester. It'd be a shit hole. Because I'm, I'm presuming it's not going to even cost that much to live in there because they're squeezing that many motherfuckers in there. I think it's saying it's going to cost a trillion pounds to build. A trillion pounds. Have you watched um, or heard of a series? This is what it kind of reminded me of. A series called Snowpiercer. No, the name rings a bell though. It's on Netflix. Um, I, I think I watched. Oh like, wait, are they living on a train? Yeah, so the earth gets too cold to live on. Yeah. Oh, so there's a train that runs around the whole world, like, forever. And uh, it just kind of reminded me of that because they'll have different segments of it. This, the segregation in there is fucked because they've got different carts for different classes of people, which they're going to have here. And you're sort of putting on them classes. It just, it just, it's just a, it, from the series, just a recipe for a fucking revolution on the train of the lower classes to step up and infiltrate the higher classes. Yeah. That's the vibe I got from it. Um, but it is it's weird, isn't it? That, that, w- watching that trailer, then I went through emotions weird. Like I went through, I was like, "Oh my god, this is sick for the environment." And then when it went into a bit more depth of what it would be like inside, I was thinking, oh, "Holy shit!" <laughs> is that it looks like some dystopian shit, that doesn't it? Yeah, like some fucking yeah. You could see a movie about that. <laughs> yeah, literally. Well, yeah, that's why it resonated with that. Um, Snowpiercer so much. Yeah, one of the comments, I've never seen a dystopian idea presented presented so positively. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. They make it sound good, like, five-minute walk to all your in- amenities. It uh, looks like it's uh, a World Economic Forum, like, what they would... Uh, what they would want civilization to be like. Yeah. That's what I thought well, sorry. Closely confined and fucking you can't go out past fucking ten. You can't leave the borders or whatever the fuck they are past ten. Yeah. It's just another level of control that they can add on to you. Imagine uh, how much control they'd be able to have if everyone's in that one block. Yeah, it's mental. You'll look who so what what will this be? The neon are they? What are they like? Just uh, developers? I think so. I've not really looked into neon. They've got a couple of other projects in Saudi. Um, do you want me to share this? Yeah. 
So let's have a look about them. They attempt to do something that's never been done before. Simply put, Neon will be a destination. Yeah, so it's going to be owned by. It's like it's not a government-led scheme. It's a dirty company who are trying to fuck you over. Yeah, globalist-led scheme. Um. Oh, these all have too much fucking money, man. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like something like this, though. Um, do you want to look at anything on this, or should I just stop? No, you can stop this now. I feel like something like this. Um, maybe not to this extent. This one seems a little bit extreme. But I feel like these sort of closed communities for the masses are underway. Yeah. You can already kind of see it around London, where... They're getting rid of like, <clears throat> they call it gentrifying. So they're getting rid of like, where people used to live on the outskirts. Say, for example, where I live, they're knocking all that down and building high rise apartments with shops underneath, restaurants. So you don't need to leave your high rise flat. You just, but you don't need to leave that area really. Yeah. Everything's there. That's been progressing for a while, though, in a sense. Um, back in the day, you would have to go travel to go to, like, for example, before Preston, Preston, the High Street was thriving, you would have to go to Manchester to buy certain items to your nearest city. And then they brought the High Street closer to the sort of suburban areas. And now they're bringing them sort of closer where you don't even need to, yeah, literally you don't even need to leave your sort of area. Yeah. And if they've got everyone working from home and schools from home. Yeah. Everyone just lives in flat all the time. I know we said we were trying to have a break from the great reset discussions, but fuck me. Would it, I guess, yeah. I guess it does make sense because they're going to play this. Uh... I mean, they're saying it's good for the environment and stuff because they're not building where the environment is, but that's just going to be a fucking polluter. Like that, nine million people in there. Where the fuck's all the waste going to go and where's all of the... It's still going to... I guess there's no cars. Yeah, I assume there. that you'll only get food that they want you to have. Holy shit. Yeah. Can't fucking flush your chain past 10. No plastics. No lights on past 10. No plastics. Full control. No freedoms. But the fucked up thing about it is, when I first started watching it, I was like, yo, this is amazing. But by the end of it, I thought, it's amazing in the sense of like, the, the structure of what they're yeah, the building something that crazy yeah. but the, people are only going to see that and not think the second level down of what does it actually mean to live in that shit <laughs> yeah what's it going to be like life in there 
Yeah. This is stink, man. <laughs> Holy shit. In the middle of the desert as well. Yeah, it comes back to what we were saying on the Great Reset uh, book club episode. If you haven't checked that out, check it out. Um, time to move away from civilization. Yeah. Start learning how to grow your own crops and shit because uh, it's even. That's, that's kind of why your colleague's friend <clears throat> set up that school, right? Yeah, alternative school. Colleague's wife has set up. That yeah, school. so you learn how to you learn proper history, not the history that you learn in mainstream education. You learn how to plant crops. You learn how to. Sort of fend for yourself, hunting, how to like cut animals, how to live on your life like yeah skills that everybody like a lot of people would have known back in the day, but now nobody yeah knows how to do really unless you're a butcher or you're a farmer or yeah because imagine you were just picked up and put in the middle of the Amazon rainforest or I was we'll be dead in. Not even a matter of days, a matter of hours. Yeah. Because <laughs> we know nothing about... Well, I guess that's a bit different. But imagine getting just put anywhere. A bit crazy. Um, well, having to fend for yourself in like the wilderness or something. Uh, yeah. You'd end up trying to eat something and end up like fucking hallucinating. <laughs> and then an animal would just kill you. But I think that's the way civilization's going. I know that's a bit extreme, that uh, building. But if you want to scale it down, I feel like that's the way we're all going to be in like high rise. Oh, yeah, you scaled it down. I see. And then I saw something. Um, I, don't, I forgot who it was, but you basically you subscribe. This is something that I don't know if it's going against the narrative or not, but. You subscribe and you get this house, which you can literally fold up or fold down. So like a two bed, it's basically a two bed flat, but like a or would you say more of a bungalow? I don't know. And basically, like you can fold it up in these certain locations around, like the world or the country. I think it's in America, so in in the country. And say if you want to move one day from, I don't know like California to Texas and you want to live there for a bit, you can fold down your house and move it to Texas and put it up in another plot there for a bit. All right. Yeah. And then fold it down and then move it somewhere else. Uh, I don't know how important that is, but <laughs> it just sounds quite cool. Yeah. Like a, like a caravan that you can just, <laughs> Yeah, go to all the plots. I guess it is just a caravan living, isn't it? It's a bit more extravagant. Yeah. All right. Shall yeah. we call it? Have you got anything else? No, I think that's everything. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Cheers, guys. See you uh, next week. Gonna do. Club next week, aren't we? Oh, yeah, try.
tribes coming next week. Book club, read it, and then you can review it with us. Right, see you in a bit. <laughs> Alright, so, bye.